Hello. Greetings. We hope that you're doing well. We're really glad that you've joined us and that you're interested in spiritual things. My name is Ethan, and I work at the Venice Church of Christ. We're disciples, making disciples on the west side of Los Angeles. And today, we're going to dis- talk about uh, some matters that are things that most people already have an idea about if you are a Christian. Uh, but regarding which, it's good to kind of remind ourselves. In Second Peter 3... Peter begins that section by saying that he is, uh, the second letter he is writing, uh, that in both of the letters uh, he is stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember uh, the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. That there's value in again going over things that have been discussed before. Uh, In doing that, we can reinforce our understanding of the truth, Maybe there's some gaps in our foundations or understanding that we can uh, plug and fill. And it's always going to be just kept in remembrance of the things that God has done for us and through us. And in uh, the first of such things is really the plan of salvation. And when we talk about the plan of salvation, the, it's the idea of understanding from the pages of Scripture how God intends for people to be saved. What is it that leads someone to go from being in a condition of not being saved to being saved? What happens, and why does it happen, to go from those from point A to point B, so to speak? Uh, how do we become believers and Christians, and what does it all mean? And we begin this, the conversation about the plan of salvation with the very first aspect of the plan of salvation which is to hear the message. In Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 14, we read, excuse me, we'll speak in verse 13, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news! But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes through hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Which is very important here to understand what's going on. In the scriptures, we understand that faith is instrumental to salvation. In Romans chapter 3, we're told, beginning in verse 21, that by works verse 20, that by works of the law, no one shall be justified in the sight of God. Which then leads Paul to say that uh, we're all in sin and, and fall short of the glory of God, and that we are going to be saved through faith. As he continues in the Roman letter, in James 2, 14 through 26, that uh, faith without works is dead. Of course, the importance of faith as well. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, that uh, it, without faith it is impossible to please God. For the one who would come to God must believe that he is and is a rewarder of those who seek him. So, we have to believe. But how are we going to believe? What are we going to believe? Well, we have to believe in the gospel or the word of Christ. Well, how are we going to come into contact with the gospel of Christ or the word of Christ so as to be able to believe it? Well, they need to, you need to hear it. It has to be communicated. It has to be said here, heard. So, 
And it's also interesting to see the way that the the text reads at this point, where the emphasis is on hearing of the word of Christ. And it really shouldn't surprise us that the emphasis is on hearing. And it's become almost passe to, to, to think about hearing. A lot of times, people kind of blow right past hearing and go right to their favored ma- mode of, of communication, be it uh, through reading, uh, through something else, uh, and understand that by hearing, the idea is that, that they've obtained the communication of the message. But Paul means it very deliberately with the expectation that people are going to actually hear the gospel. In the ancient world, really before the Industrial Revolution, literacy rates were very low. Among Jews it was higher because of the emphasis on reading scripture, but for the majority of the population, uh, maybe 10% of the population was considered literate. And even then, most of the people could sign their names somewhat and maybe read some basic texts, that maybe 2% of the population, 2%, would have been well-versed in reading and writing and and in and text and things like that. Because you've got to remember, not only did most people live just as in poverty, what we'd call uh, just living as farmers, eking out a basic uh, survivalist existence, but uh, paper was non-existent yet. People had papyrus rolls or the beginning of parchment, which was using uh, the skins of animals. And so books were rare. They'd have to be copied by hand. Uh, They were held by the elites. Only certain people would have access to them. So you've got this situation where a lot of people would never have read in the first place. And some people might have been able to read but didn't have much access to materials. And it'd be only a very select few that had both the opportunity and ability to read and to access things uh, to read. And so, in, in, a, in an environment like that, which seems foreign to us today, but although ironically might be returning to in some way or another, uh, the only way the truth could be expressed is through speaking it, and, and proclaiming it, and telling it orally to others. And those days, of course, people were much more attuned to hear. And beyond that, the Hebrew and Greek texts, uh, we, we in English are so used to just sitting and l- sitting down or just looking on the page and, and being able to read to ourselves without uh, saying it aloud. You couldn't do that with Hebrew or Greek. Uh, with Hebrew, it's even more pronounced because there are no vowels written in the text. Uh, some people have said that meant that Hebrew didn't have vowels. That's, that's absolutely inaccurate. Hebrew has vowels. Every language has to have vowels. The difference is that in Hebrew, when it was originally written, they did not write down what vowels went where or vowels at all. They just wrote down the consonants and knew from how the, the language worked where the vowels would go and what vowels those would be. So um, uh, there's no way of just looking at the text and reading it quietly because there's just consonants on the page. In order to make that text mean anything, you had to use those consonants as signs to start reading those consonants and, and knowing where those vowels went. And, and therefore, the only way that could be meaningfully communicated in actual language was through the reading of it aloud and the hearing of it, both in the ear of the reader and in the ears of those listening. With Greek, there are vowels written, but unlike our texts, which are very nicely spaced out with vowel, with, with accents and breathings and things like that, uh, in the ancient world, the papyrus, as we said, was very precious, and so most texts are written in all capital letters with no spacing. Uh, they're written in columns, and at the end of one column, uh, you might only have a couple letters before of a word, and then the rest of the word in the next column. 
And so, again, in order to make any sense of what you're seeing on the papyrus, you'd have to read it out loud. And so that's why Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.13 and tells him to give attention to the public reading of Scripture. And to give attention to it, make sure that it's being done well, because that's the way, the only way the majority of his audience would likely ever get to know the Word of God. And so even if you could read it, even if you were literate, you'd still have to have it out loud. And the main way that you would absorb what you're reading uh, is not through your eyes, but through your ears, even in the ancient world. Uh, So that's why the emphasis is on hearing. And it's not out of place in the modern world. Yes, we have printed Bibles, we've distributed Bibles around the world and, and all these different languages and things. And it's possible, and it remains possible, for somebody to pick up a Bible and to study his way to understand the truth without any external instruction. But that's very rare. More often than not, the message needs to be preached somehow. It needs to be spoken to people. And some kind of instruction from Scripture needs to be given. And it really is a, like the question of the eunuch in Acts 8, 30 and 31. How, how can I understand unless someone guides me? That's really the question of a lot of people who seek and wish to find. Uh, it's very easy for us to just come to the belief that, well, uh, if you just read the Bible for what it says, you'll come to the same conclusions as we do. Um, and in many cases that might be accurate. But nobody is reading the Bible in a vacuum, and a lot of people are confused by the religious climate in which they live, and so instruction and direction is needed. We do need the, the preaching of the gospel to this day. And it's a good question for, for, for people. If you grew up in church, how often did you learn about Scripture from what you're hearing uh, preached and taught in church? If you grew up and, and you converted from uh, not from a non-religious background, or you were not raised, quote-unquote, in the church, uh, did you have to hear the gospel in some form uh, before you obeyed? And, and for most people, the answer is yes. Yes. So the exhortation to hear the gospel is not just a metaphor for comprehension, although it can be, uh, and neither is it outmoded as if it's something for the past, and all we need to do is just come together and sit down and open the book for a little bit, set the book, and then leave. That. The gospel still needs to be preached. People still need to hear the gospel message and have help with understanding what they read in Scripture. As Paul says here in Romans 10, 14, uh, it's not just, so faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. right? But that's the conclusion. And the conclusion is based upon this whole thing, that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And, and he's quoting that from Joel chapter 2. Uh, we see it also in Acts 2, and explain Acts 22. And so his first question, based upon that, is how will they call upon him whom they have not believed? Okay, we've talked about that. You've got to hear to have an idea of what it is that you're going to believe in. Uh, Which is the next question. How are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? Okay, so you've got to hear. How are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to hear without someone being sent? So, it's interesting, and we talk about the plan of salvation... So much of the plan of salvation is, of course, dependent upon the individual to do for him or herself, so as to be saved. You know, an individual will have to believe. Nobody else can believe for them. No one else can confess for them. No one else can repent or be baptized for them. But they've got to, to hear the gospel. Someone's got to preach it. And so when it comes to hearing the gospel message, the emphasis of hearing is on the one who would preach it. 
And that need to preach is actually seminal. It is uh, fundamental for everything that follows. If there's no preaching, there can be no hearing. Where there's no hearing, there cannot be belief and obedience. Without the preaching, we cannot have new Christians. And this is something that God in his wisdom has established. And of course, we find that very strange. If you wanted to do this amazing thing, which God has done, okay, and you had... Uh, the whole purpose of everything, come down to Jesus of Nazareth, dying on the cross, being raised in power on the third day. And now this message has to get out. And you have everything at your disposal. What could you do? You could, you know, boom it out with the voice of God around the holy world. You could write it on the creation somehow, right? There's all these ways you can imagine to do it. But God chose these 12 men to stand up in Acts 2 and begin preaching. And the ones who heard the message and believed it took the message out in Acts 8 and told others. And the idea is that that's how the gospel would spread. In fact, there's a, a moment in Acts chapter 10 where an angel visits Cornelius, this man who is a Gentile, but he fears God. Uh, the angel could have preached Jesus, but the angel tells him to go call for Simon, who is called Peter. Meanwhile, Simon, who is called Peter, is is praying, and he, he, he gets a vision from the Lord Jesus. And the, the vision co con is designed to convince him that, yes, he should go with these men to go preach to Cornelius. And he goes and preaches to Cornelius, and, Cornel and the Holy Spirit poured out upon Cornelius and his men, and Peter now sees that God has accepted the Gentiles, and has granted them the repentance that leads to life, and immediately has them baptized. Throughout that whole process, it was cumbersome and laborious in to have human involvement. It would have been a lot more easy and a lot more efficient if they had just simply handled it between with the angel, preaching it to Cornelius right there, no involvement for anybody else. But throughout the entire process, we do not see the gospel being proclaimed by the angels or by a, 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 the booming voice of God from heaven. We see the gospel proclaimed by people. People were just were to go out and preach the message. So it took the people taking that message out, thousands and thousands of people, to the point where by, in Colossians 1.6, within 35 years, that Paul can say that the gospel had gone out to the whole creation. And that's without the benefit there. That was before there was the New Testament. And even with the benefit of the written word that we have in the New Testament, we can see that the preaching of the gospel is still the primary means of the presentation of the gospel and uh, the conversion of souls. And so this is the way God has chosen to do it. And that means that we have to do it, because we can't expect that an angel's going to clean up uh, if we don't finish the job. We can't expect it to be heard if we don't proclaim it. You know, it's a very important thing to think that in year 35, uh, right after Jesus died, the gospel hadn't gotten to Britain yet, for instance, or other parts of the world. It took time. It had to spread. Um, that's the way God intended it to happen. So, the message has to be proclaimed, which means, as Paul said in Romans 7.15, how are they to preach unless they are sent? So who are the ones sent to preach? Who are the they here that are sent to preach? Well, there's people always say, well, uh, there's full-time evangelists. They're the ones to go out and preach. After all, evangelist comes from the Greek word evangelion, the good news or gospel, Ephesians 4.11. And so their work clearly involves the preaching of the gospel. So uh, the preacher is supposed to go do it, right? 
Well, not exactly. Because if we look at Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, we have evangelists there, but they're designed to equip the saints for the work of ministry. In verse 12. In 1 Peter chapter 2, and in verse 9, Peter calls Christians a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You all, you're supposed to, all of us, we're all to proclaim the excellencies of him who delivered us out of darkness into light. All of us who put on Christ are to proclaim the gospel. And so as we are able and as we have opportunity, we must all proclaim the good news of God to those who hear it. Well, how? When? Well, throughout the New Testament, we see all kinds of different examples of, of when the gospel is proclaimed. Uh, in Acts chapter 2 uh, and chapter 5, we see that the, God, the apostles are gathered one place, and from there they go and, and speak in tongues and proclaim the gospel to others. In chapter 3, they're in the temple when they're given opportunity to preach. In chapter 4 and 5 and 7, uh, the gospel is proclaimed before the Jewish Sanhedrin, the authorities of the time of the people. In synagogues, in Acts 6, 9, and 13. In Acts 8, we see pre people just preaching as they go about in different cities. Itinerant preaching in various cities. Uh, in Acts 8, 29, 38, there's a eunuch who's studying, and that he hears the gospel. Earlier in, cha and, uh, in chapter 13, it's refuting false prophets in front of uh, a, a Roman official in verses 8 through 12. In Acts 16, 13, and 14, uh, Paul... And Luke and others went to a place where they thought there would be a place of prayer of the Jews. And they, when the Jews are there praying, they preach the gospel. In chapter 16, 24 through 30, there's, uh, Paul and Silas are singing in prison and praying in prison. That provides an opportunity to proclaim the gospel to the jailer. Uh, in the marketplace, the Agora speaking area in the Areopagus in chapter 17 of Acts. In Acts 18, verse 26, Apollos is taught the way more accurately in private. In Acts 19, Paul uh, comes upon disciples of John the Baptist and describes to them the way of God more accurately. And even in the midst of angry people, in chapter 22 of Acts, Paul uh, proclaims the gospel uh, the, of what God intended for him to do in Jesus. And before rulers, he proclaims that same message in chapters 24 and 25. So we can see that the message was proclaimed to all kinds of people, from the regular people on the street to the highest authorities in the land, uh, in many opportunities, in homes, in public locations, uh, in, in religious locations, any, all kinds of places. Anywhere that could be preached, it was preached. And there was no partiality in where it was preached or to whom it was preached. It was just preached to those who would give it a hearing. And the message would be uh, presented so as to be understood by its audience. It's not mean that the message changed. It just meant that the way Paul preached to the Athenians in Acts 17 is not the way he speaks to his fellow Jews in the synagogue of Anak Pisidia in chapter 13. Uh, he's recognizing that they're different people who need to be approached from a different angle. And so it shows us that whenever we have opportunity, we ought to present the gospel to those who need to hear it. So it's important and necessary for us to hear the gospel in order to believe it and to obey it. And we need to continue to have open ears to the gospel. And at times when we get older, we think that we've already heard enough of it, but it's always good to hear it again and to be reminded and grounded in it again. Uh, Peter thought it was necessary in Second Peter. Uh, Paul in Ephesians 2 and Titus 3 uh, emphasized the need to go back over the gospel message and, and why we need to continually be rooted and grounded in it. But in order for the for gospel to be heard, there needs to be people proclaiming it. And for them to be proclaimed, they need to be sent. 
And we have people special commissions for that, depends who preach the gospel in various places. But in reality, all of us are, are charged with and commissioned with the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we should present it at every opportunity without partiality. And we do well uh, to encourage all we come into, with whom we come into contact to uh, hear the gospel by telling it to them, making sure they know what it is. Uh, and uh, given the opportunity, consider it, to believe it, to accept it, obey it, and to become a disciple of Jesus. Maybe you're such a person. Maybe you need to learn more about the gospel and you'd like to learn more. Maybe you have some questions about some of the things we've talked about. Maybe you have another Bible question. Maybe you're just going through some difficulties. Maybe you have a prayer request. Maybe there's something else that you'd like to talk about. If there's any way I can be of service, please let me know. Please contact me through my website at theverbalvitae.com. That's www.deverbovitae.com. Or perhaps you live in Los Angeles, try Los Angeles. You're interested in more information about the Venice Church of Christ. We're online at venicechurchofchrist.org. We're also on many social media places, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, many places like that at uh, Venice Church or Venice Church of Christ. We again thank you. Have a great day.